live. Episode 23, Grandpa. 23. And Cole, when we were doing some pre-broadcast exercises and warming up and testing the microphones and making certain everything was right, you'll recall that I was saying that I was putting on my static hat because here it is just a few days before before Christmas. This, in some ways, we could say, well, this is our, our Christmas show, the Christmas show that we're doing. Is this our Christmas special? This, I wouldn't want to say it's special. Every one of the episodes we do is special. But this is, this is. Oh, your earbud keeps falling out. Yeah. Technical difficulties. This is technical difficulties because I'm unfamiliar with either that or, either that or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm accustomed to having clogged wax in my ear, but I'm just not accustomed to having an ear bug in my ear. It is just, yeah. Uh, well, world's. World is changing. World's changing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think the world is changing any more for anyone than Ed Ricketts. Oh, and, well, let's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you an Ed Ricketts and a John Steinbeck, and I'll raise you a Lewis and a Clark, okay? Okay. All right. And that's a very interesting comparison. And another thing I want to say, this is, this can be also not only our Christmas special, but it can be a, an outline for young writers that are assigned with comparison and contrast essays in a college composition class. This, this will be a model for you on how to take two seemingly disjointed subjects that have no apparent connection and yet through the brilliance of comparison, we can make similarities and, 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 and join something together into a nice little composition. But anyway, so Ed Ricketts, <clears throat> Ed Ricketts, John Steinbeck, one of, one of the classic Ed Ricketts, John Steinbeck, uh, Adventures is the the time the two of them went into the Sea of Cortez together. Now Ed Ricketts uh, was made famous by John Steinbeck in a in a novel called Cannery Row, and which which we read a little uh, bit. We read ago. we read that, and that that uh, it's it's Cannery Row is in Monterey, California, and it was it was the sardine canneries that were there you know sardine cannery industry well that we'll get to that in a minute but ed ricketts also was a famous biologist a marine biologist and he uh, his his book is a, a textbook that's published by uh, stanford university press it's been through about seven or eight different editions and so it's a very reputable scientific work on marine biology. And it, it's called Between Pacific Tides. And it talks about the... Hey, what, a, what, a, what a cool name for a book, by the way. What? I mean, just the creativity in that book just goes to show what a, 
what the book's even about. But well, it just says it right there. Yeah. Between Pacific Tide. But what it talks about is the animal life in the intertidal zone along the Pacific coast, south as far as Cabo, uh, St. Louis, all the way up, up into the, uh, into the Aleutians in Alaska. So it's between Pacific tides. And it talks about all the, everything from octopus to crabs to little worms to sea anemones, all the things. Little starfish. Uh, starfish, all of that. And, and all what, the little secrets. All the secrets. And, and Ed, to, to, to work off your pun, and Ed Ricketts in his book divulges many of the secrets. Secrets. That's what he does. That's what the book, Marine Biology book, is about. Anyway, so Steinbeck and Ricketts were drinking buddies, and they would always drink beer after work and so on. And in, so in 1940, uh, John Steinbeck had just written a book uh, was called The Grapes of Wrath. And uh, it, it be, it's become a classic and so on. But he was being accused of, of being a communist because the book had leftist leanings. And so he was, oh, he, was getting, he was getting some negative criticism. So he wanted to get out of, out of the country for a while to get away, yeah. escape all the negative publicity. This was in the 20s, right? No, this is in about 1940. Oh, this was in 40. 1940. And Ed Ricketts, for whatever reason, who as a marine biologist, one of the things, and marine biology at the time that Ricketts was first beginning to pioneer work, it was not the big deal that it is today. Mm-hmm, no. So it was not. one of the ways that Ed Ricketts uh, earned his living was he would collect marine specimens in the intertidal zone, and then he had a laboratory in Monterey, and he would and he had saltwater aquariums and so on, and he, he would then take his supply of marine animals and sell them to to biology high school and college biology classes, and that's. That's how he, one of the ways that he made his, his living. So the two of them decide that Steinbeck wants to get out of town because of the negative publicity. Ed Ricketts wants to get out of town and collect a few specimens. So they decide they want to go down to the Sea of Cortez. And they charter a small fishing boat and Fishing boat's name was the Western Flyer. We'll get to that. Famous boat, by the way. We'll get to that in a minute. And so they charter the Western Flyer, and they go down into the Sea of Cortez. And the the log from the Sea of Cortez is a is a book that uh, Ed Ricketts he wrote the 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 part about the the technical uh, marine biology side of the book and. Steinbeck wrote the narrative log describing the trip. But what's interesting about the trip and what is, uh, why we'll make a comparison here between the trip and, and Lewis and Clark is this boat, the Western Flyer that they chartered, 
uh, has become a um, a little a romantic vessel that that everyone that has ever read the the Stein book uh, uh, Ricketts account has wanted to see and so on. And that boat uh, is being restored. They're remodeling. They're restoring. They're restoring it, and it's in a boatyard up in in Port Townsend, Washington. And I've gone, I've gone up, and I've seen it. So I, I know you should take a day trip. Well, we could go to about. I to, this is it was about two years ago that I went up, so I don't know exactly what's happening with it. But this boat, people, as it's being restored, and believe me, the boat, it's people come up there and they want to see it, and they climb clamber up on top of this boat in the repair yard they get out uh, a, a copy of of steinbeck's ricketts book the log and then take a selfie with them saying see i'm on the western flyer and this is this is the book and so it's it's really cult like mm -hmm. but what is not so well known about this romantic vessel the western flyer that was chartered. It was a salmon uh, a salmon boat that was built in a boatyard in Tacoma, Washington, in about 1937. <clears throat> so this this boat was chartered by Ricketts and Steinbeck, and they went down, collected specimens. They drank beer, drank tequila. I think Steinbeck took one of his wives with him. They had and they had a good time. It was it was it was a good good several month holiday of, of drinking and collecting and wading around in tide pools and so on. But <clears throat> what is unknown about the Western Flyer, this vessel, this, this vessel that is thought of as some romantic wisp of, a, of another time was actually in some ways a vessel that I, I, I don't want to say it. it. It sounds too melodramatic, but it was kind of a death ship. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that this vessel seemed to, it's death ship in that was like it, it carried its own brand of marine typhoid with it. Mm -hmm. Everywhere it went, it was sailing into something that was just ending. And so the vessel was witness to all of these ecosystem changes. And in the case of, of when Steinbeck and, and Ricketts went into the Sea of Cortez, Hoover Dam had just come online on the Colorado River. Mm -hmm. Now the Colorado River the fresh water from the Colorado River spills into the Sea of Cortez. Yeah. But after, after the Hoover Dam was built, all the irrigation, all that fresh water then was... All the nutrients. All, all that fresh water was siphoned off into, into the, the uh, San Joaquin Valley or the San Fernando Valley or wherever all the fresh water was. It no longer was spilling into the the Sea of Cortez. So suddenly what this vessel is coming on is this huge gigantic ecosystem, the Sea of Cortez, 
that is no longer going to be the same anymore because one of the main sources of fresh water that pours into it has been exterminated and cut it's off forever. Cut off. So what Steinbeck and, and Ricketts are actually doing in the log of the Sea of Cortez is they're capturing <clears throat> this ecosystem at the height of what it was and that will never be that way again. That's what that was. Then this boat went on to then <clears throat> be in several other fisheries. It was in the sardine fishery in, in, mm -hmm. in Monterey, and that, that fishery is completely blotted out. It went on to, there was a, uh, a cod fishery on the West Coast. It was in that fishery, and that fishery was constantly exterminated. Finally, it became a, a salmon tender and some, uh, it was uh, purchased by some man who changed the name of the vessel. Now, if you're a Marine, if you're at all a Mariner, the idea of changing the name of a vessel, there's some superstition about that. You don't want to start. You don't you, usually do that. You don't, that's, that's considered by many a no-no. And they did that. And what happened? This vessel suddenly became this old dilapidated salmon tender. It was bought up by, I think, the Samish Indians who <laughs> didn't take very good care of it. And the last time before it was restored, it was, uh, it had sunk and it was in the, it was in the, uh, the Connor channel right across from Connor, Washington on a, on a, a, a Native American reservation in in sunk in in the water. So this boat, the boat I saw, the Western Flyer, they decided mm -hmm. it's this famous boat that Steinbeck and Ricketts took to the Sea of Cortez. We must restore it. So they hauled it up, and they hauled, they brought it up out of the the mud, and they put it on a flatbed truck, and they drove it from from um, uh, the, the Indian reservation and they took it all the way over to Port Townsend and they put it into this, this wooden boat yard and there it's being there to restore. Now, when I saw it, when we went up on, on top of it, it was, there were big, huge holes in the hull and there was, oh, yeah. there was seaweed coming out of it and the, the water was just, they were letting the water <clears throat> just come out of the, of the wood and it, there was filled with dry rot and they had plans on, on, on restoring it. And then they were going to, they were going to make it into an electric vessel, take it back down to Monterey Bay to the Marine Museum on Monterey Bay. And it was going to be some kind of a floating uh, school but school boat for kids to sit and they could study marine biology in the in the same vessel that Ed Ricketts and, and, and John Steinbeck had gone to the Sea of Cortez. That's that's more or less the story of the Western Flyer and Ricketts and Steinbeck. Now, you remember a little earlier I said we can compare this to another famous set of explorers set of explorers and a fame the journals of lewis and clark another 
another classic why in southern Washington you can't go anywhere without seeing something Lewis and Clark slept something Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark slept here all the way up the Columbia River oh, yeah. uh, Lewis and Clark this Clarkston Lewiston Idaho Clarkston Washington uh, <clears throat> Lewis Clark County Lewis County uh, places where they stayed on the Columbia near El Waco uh, and they wintered there all of that is there well the journals of Lewis and Clark, it's similar to the log from the Sea of Cortez, is that Lewis and Clark made this venture across the country just because Thomas Jefferson had just bailed Napoleon out of a jam. Napoleon was trying to bankroll a war in, in <clears throat> Europe. And he needed he needed cash, so he sold. What do we got around? What have we got around to sell? I've got to I got to find something to sell so I can I can get some more cannons to go after those 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 limey bastards. Who knows what or, or the Russians or whoever he was trying to fight that week. Uh, so was one of them, so one of his one of his ministers said, "Well, we we have Louisiana, which represents most of the continental what will become most of the continental United States. So why don't he says, all right, well let's sell that. I don't need that. So Thomas Jefferson bought the Louis purchased the Louisiana purchase. So in nineteen in eighteen oh four. He gets a couple of his old college buddies, Lewis and Clark, and he says, "Why don't you guys go out and go that way? Go and check it out. That. Check it out. Let me know what's going on out there. What what what's it like? What 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 can we do with that? Is there a way we could put in some some amusement parks? Maybe uh, you know, is there what what kind of what kind of water skiing facilities? I don't know what he said, but Lewis and Clark went out there." So what the Lewis, the journals of Lewis and Clark are, and much like it is, they they run into the native tribes. The native tribes on the high plains all have horses. The horses, they've only been around for a couple hundred years on the high plains. They weren't the, the reason they're there is because the Spanish, uh, yeah. A few of reintroduced horses. A few, horses, yeah, yeah, a few, went extinct during a, the Ice Age in the a, Americas. Yeah, so a few of the of the few of the horses that are, are that escaped from the Spanish that were fertile animals uh, began to uh, breed and breed wild and, horses again, and they had huge herds horses. of wild horses, and and the Native Americans uh, had wild horses. In fact, is one of the groups, uh, yeah, the Nez Pierce, had the Appaloosa, and they're they're the only Native Americans that actually ever <clears throat> bred horses. The other ones would trade them and steal them and so on. But the the, the Nez Pierce, they 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 bred the Appaloosa. So what Lois and Clark's journals? It's very descriptive. It talks about everything. It's one of the things that. Uh, Clark talks about maybe Lewis. I can't remember what <clears throat> he talks about 
first hearing about the grizzly bear, this famous grizzly bear. Now, remember Lewis and Clark were Eastern East Coast boys, and they uh, they'd seen black bear and maybe yeah, maybe seen a few black bear. Yeah, grizzly. No one had you know nobody. Grizzly, grizzlies were all almost half mythical. Nobody, nobody really had, had seen specimens of them. So they don't have grizzlies on the east coast. Yeah, they don't have. So in the first part of of the journal, when when Lewis or Clark, I can't remember, I'd have to go back and check, but he's talking about it. And he, he's talking about it in this kind of very arrogant way. Yes, we we have heard reports of this so called bear that is apparently very large in size and extremely extremely aggressive extremely aggressive quite ferocious and and they say he he he, he he's, he's, he's rather fast and so rather large but we we're we're a little skeptical we think some of the natives are we think some of the natives are, are maybe exaggerating so anyway that's that's in one of the passages oh, then just a myth and real to be worried about. So, so Clark or Lewis, as I said, I can't remember which, encounters one, and they, he encounter, encounters it on the Missouri River, and that uh, grizzly chases chases Lewis, and and Lewis has to go running into the river and get you know way out in the in the stream. And then, and then the the bear says, "Oh, I'm not going in after that." That's I, I'm, I, there's a he nearly shits himself. Well, he but this. but here he is. So he's out here floating in the water, maybe drifting along with the current. And the grizzly, the grizzly says, "I oh, hell with you. I've got other things I can do. I got other fish that I can fry." Or so the grizzly then turns around and starts loping across the prairie. And then the account that, that Lewis has about him is, and then we saw this 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 large animal, uh, you know, trap running away. It was it was just loping along, and those things can go almost thirty miles an hour. And so grizzly bears are fast. And, and I feel like a lot of people underestimate yeah. how fast grizzly bears are. They can't outrun you. Yes, they can outrun a person. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, you know, mistake of how their size, the thing that they're slow, lumbering animals. No, I mean, people try to outrun a grizzly bear. They're going to get eaten. They're yeah. going to get mauled to death by this grizzly. You have to play dead. And I feel like, the well, education, you know, there's a lot better education about it now. But there's still you, always that, you know. You either have to play dead or you have to have a Missouri River handy that you could go <laughs> jump in and swim way out so that it won't come in after you. That's that's the second best thing. But there are very few portable fresh bodies of water, especially since Hoover Dam's been dammed, which caused problems for Ricketts and Steinbeck and apparently saved uh, Meriwether Lewis's life. Yeah. 